Hey, this is David Hayter. You may know me as the screenwriter of films like X-Men, X-Men 2, and Watchmen, but you probably know me best as the voice of Solid Snake from Metal Gear Solid. And you're listening to Hawaii's number one podcast, the Casanova Podcast. Kept you waiting, huh? Welcome everyone to another episode of Hawaii's number one podcast, the Casanova Podcast. I'm your host, Mikhail Casanova, and I'm joined by the phenomenal and amazing, the one and only Annabelle Dowler and Joseph Balderrama. How are you guys doing today? Aloha. Good, good morning and Aloha. good afternoon and evening to those of us in Hawaii, but good morning to you guys. How's everything going? <laughs> Aloha. Good. All good. Thank you. It's a beautiful spring morning here in London. Is it um is it normally like how's the weather there normally? I have one friend who says it usually rains a lot and it's rare that it's good weather. Is that true? Is he lying? Oh yeah, you get it's four seasons in one day. So this last week has been beautiful. It's bright blue skies today, proper spring day. Yeah, there's a saying that says if you don't like the weather in London, just wait half an hour. <laughs> yeah. Wow! <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, so, so um, yeah. So if if you guys don't mind, if you uh, go ahead and introduce yourselves to the audience and tell us uh, about yourselves, your careers, and you know, you guys are me and Cody and Hakeem in It Takes Two, absolutely phenomenal game by Joseph Ferris and Hazelight Studios. But yeah, I'm gonna shut up. The floor is yours. <laughs> Ladies first, Annabelle. Ladies first. <laughs> so I'm Annabelle, and I play May in It Takes Two. Um, and it was it was the first time I'd ever done mocap. First time I'd ever done motion capture. Um, I voiced video games before, but I'd never physically embodied a character in a game. Um, my background is I suppose worked mostly in theatre when I first left drama school. And then I do a lot of radio drama and then bits of TV and film. But um, video gaming, I, I did the first video game a couple of years ago. And this was a totally new experience. Um, when I got the audition, I, I didn't really, I, I think I auditioned for one mocap job before. And I didn't even know what mocap was. Um, uh, and we, we had to do a self-tape for this. We had to sort of, you know, which is what we're doing a lot now because of the pandemic. Um, mm -hmm. But... Two years ago, we had to do self-tape and just record, film ourselves at home doing a, bit, a few scenes. And then myself and Pepe got called back for a recall, where I think they were sort of matching couples together. And um, and that's when we met Joseph, and we met Sully, the scriptwriter as well. And um, and then we got the job, so that was it really. But it was it, it was the first time I'd ever done any motion capture, so I really had no idea what the job was going to be like. I didn't know yeah. you guys had to do motion capture for this one. That's wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So all the cutscenes are, are we are, are like it was like I mean it was strange because I don't know about Pepe, but for me it was it was sort of cross between doing theatre and TV because mm -hmm. in, in some ways it's quite big because you've got to be physical, but then you're filming it all so, as you would do any scene in a in a TV or film. So it was just, it's strange. You're not quite sure where to pitch your performance. Well, I certainly wasn't at first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, I I mean that yeah, so that's I have a similar sort of um and well just to touch on that the mocap aspect of it. Um absolutely it was the first time for me that I had uh well actually I had done one mocap game for Sony many years ago, but literally I was just rolling around firing a weapon and the game actually never got made so <laughs> it, was, uh, it was a very different experience um this was much more much more involved it was a you know we worked on this game for a period of two years roughly um in fact i i remember the first day filming very well because it was my son's third birthday and i had to leave him and it was crushing and uh yeah. and we, 
Yeah, I had a really hard time leaving him on his birthday. Uh, and then Annabelle had to sort of uh, go, you know, sort yourself out, dude. We're, um, <laughs> we're in Stockholm, live a little. And uh, so we, yeah, and then that was the beginning of, you know, a two-year process with me and Annabelle in very flattering outfits. Um, <laughs> rolling around the Haze Light studio. Um, but yeah, so me and Annabelle did all the mocap for, you know, Cody and May pre you know in the at the beginning of the game when they're real humans and then the majority of the game when they then they become the dolls and then turn back into humans at the end um that was all that was all physically and vocally and facially us um obviously when we became the dolls the animators did what they did but it was um it well, was I, mean, all, I did my back flips i did my back flips i don't know about you yeah Annabelle, Annabelle's a big ninja, so. I'm an international gymnaster, <laughs> and so yeah, I was able to do a lot of the stunts myself, yeah. She did all her own stunts, wow. yeah. Yeah, Brad Pitt did mine. <laughs> <laughs> but it was that first, the first time we went to Stockholm, it really was like a fascinating couple of days, wasn't it? Because we just, you know, they had to do all these I don't know what do they do. They have cameras whizzing around our faces, creating 3D images. Well, they oh, had I mean, to map them. Yeah, it was very they had to map I mean, our faces. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. That sort and of. We'd sit. Yeah, you sit that still. The camera literally went around and got every single angle of your face. And then we'd be in this big studio, and you'd you'd do a scene, but you'd watch it back immediately. So you'd film it in these, like as Pepe says, incredibly flattering, tight black, um, like wet suits with uh, dots on them. But then you'd, you'd watch it back straight away on the big screen and you'd see yourself as May and Cody, not in the, you know, in our proper character, yeah. whatever. And, mm -hmm. and and that was incredibly useful because you could see what worked physically. You could see if you needed to be bigger or or what movements made sense or didn't. And um, so it really, it was different than anything I'd ever done. I mean, personally, I found it the most, like, uh, certainly in terms of working in a kind of tech tech media sort of context like tv and mm. film and so on it was so much more um creative because of what annabelle just said that you know you could it was basically also it was so stripped back so it's just me and annabelle um mm. and joseph when he because joseph mocapped the body of hakeem and I put the voice of Hakim on later. Uh, so the three of us, you know, and whomever, there, there was also other actors like Philip and um, Alexandra who did a lot of the mocap of the bodies mm. um, of the other characters. So it would just be us and whomever else. And so it was very stripped back and it was actually quite like, I think that's why it's, that's why Annabelle's correct to say that it's a bit like theater because it was just us. There was no, you know, there was obviously a team there but they weren't really physically with us much. So it felt very, it felt very personal and very um, organic in that sense. And, and it was super fast, wasn't it, as well? I mean, if you're doing film or TV, you do a scene, you might do 30 takes, then you'll be sat in your trailer waiting around for hours. With this, yeah. we did like wow. two takes, three takes, and then formed the next scene. And there's no costume changes, obviously. So it was, you know, it was the days were, were were exhausting but fun but it was it was full on wasn't it, it was, yeah i mean we would we would be averaging like 30 pages of dialogue over three days which in a film and tv context Whoa. you'd be lucky to do that in two or three months you know <laughs> yeah. it's uh, it's it was it was incredibly efficient on that level obviously you know the amount of work that went in before us and then after us was yeah, yeah. you know that's where they make up for it in terms of how long it takes to produce a game. But um, so it ends up being round about the same as a film or a TV program sometimes. But, you know, in terms of our exposure in it, we were, you know, our work was, it was like efficiency personified. Wow. Yeah. It was pretty crazy. It was pretty <laughs> crazy. And full on, because like Annabelle says, you don't go and rest in your trailer for fire, you know, well, they, <laughs> set up the next thing it was like okay right we've done that scene and by the end of it we shot basically a feature film i think there was yeah. you know there was well over an hour and a half of cutscenes. yeah Easy. i think there's more than that yeah yeah no uh, yeah i think it was more and, and we so, get the script only get the script 
often a couple of days before we flew out to Stockholm. So we've or been, on the we've way been learning like, the hotel the night before. We'd be learning just like as soon as you know moving on to scenes, we'd be learning stuff. I mean, that was really nice as well because we got to know Joseph so well and Tony, and because they're not they're not native British American, you know, they're they're, they're writing in a foreign language foreign to them. Um, they did have one of the guys, the sound guys, is American, so he would script edit as well. But we were able to import a lot and change words and change to make it sound more natural, which was nice, wasn't it? Yeah, and we got to improvise quite a bit, so it was. Yeah. Um that's a, again that added to the organic kind of flavor than the relationship in a way i think also i think the reason why me and annabelle well i hope anyway it came across i think the reason we did have such chemistry is because it was so intense it was just me and her without a break without a interruption of like loads of other people that you might normally have on a mm-hmm. on a set yeah. um so it was you and you and we sort of and we also which you never do in film and tv we shot in sequence so we would wow. frequently we would we more or less shot the game as it as it happens in the game so yeah. our journey was linear and so that again you never shoot in sequence I, in my experience i mean i'm sure there are some exact exe- exemptions to that but you know you always shoot out of sequence when you do anything else and so that also made it feel theatrical in a sense because when you do a play you know you start at the beginning and then you take your bow at the end and that's it um wow so it was really um it was really i think in that sense also the most one of the most gratifying acting jobs like forget about it being voice or mocap it was just it was just an exhilarating acting process yeah because i was definitely going to say like you you two the your characters it felt real like your performances like i said in my review is very oscar worthy like legit <laughs> legitimately oscar worthy because it was it, it got to a point because when i was reviewing it you know when ea reached out to me to review it you know my wife and i were playing it straight through and the characters you know me and cody and hakeem they just came to life they just felt real your performances were that amazing so yeah, we as thank you, as, as a, a thank you. Work. Yeah, it, it was real. So thank you. Well, it was nice, that. especially because we got to do a real, you know, nation of. Mm-hmm. I mean, every scene we did started with us jumping, didn't it? We we were so sick of jumping by the end of it. You know, they'd go action, and we just have to jump into this country land. And it's so funny watching some of it back now because half the time we had no idea what it was going to look like. But there'd be a lot of jumping, a lot of running a lot of shooting a lot of doing crazy stuff like that but then we actually got to do some sort of nice personal natural stuff as well um mm-hmm. and as you say in a linear fashion as well and it and it you know there's some touching moments as well so it was nice to have both those things so Mikel, who did you play as uh i had to play as cody <laughs> no i'm playing me so and it is funny because it's like the whole time, like we're, we're holding, we're holding our newborn baby and we're just playing through the game and like, we're trying not to crack up laughing at some of the dialogue. You guys, it was just so funny. Like we'd start laughing, maybe wake up. She's like, ah, and we're like, Oh, Oh, okay. It was fun. Like the game, it played good. Like I said, your performances just really, really brought that game to life. Like if if you guys didn't do the performances you did, I personally don't feel it would be like it would mechanically be a good game, but you wouldn't be able to have that layer of tangibility to the characters. So, yeah. Well, thank you. I mean, I definitely, you know, uh, Joseph, Joseph came from uh, he's quite a he's quite a big deal film director in Sweden. And uh, that was his background. And so, you know, he I think he's very. He's very passionate about the storytelling aspect of a game and and obviously also you know trying to incorporate that into the game mechanics as well so that they don't feel like two separate entities i think he's really interested in trying to integrate those two components of gaming in general Mm -hmm. and uh and so it was you know his he was he was like a you know he was like a film director except well not like most film directors don't actually give you that many acting notes but uh, joseph did and he was very he was very good and very direct and very um clear often um 
and, and really open to chatting about stuff. And if we thought something yeah. didn't quite fit right in a scene, he'd be open to changing it, you know. So, and, and I think yeah. because we, it was over two years and we sort of, we went out to Stockholm once a month or once every two months, we yeah. felt really comfortable, didn't we? You know, working yeah. in that working environment. You know, sometimes you, if you go in and just do a few days on something, you haven't got that confidence really to say what you think or how you feel about stuff. We just felt, you know, from that first visit, we were just totally ourselves. We felt we were in an environment where we could chat about things, give our opinion, change things, alter the script a bit. And so there was no nerves, was there? It wasn't like you were nervous doing the job, but which you often can be when you're on a big set or something. And yeah. I think that was really, and the fact that because we were working away from home, like Pepe says, we were together all the time. You know, we were away in Stockholm, we got for dinner. So it was it's really important to feel comfortable with who you're working with. And that yeah. helped a lot. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I mean, I think we were just, me and Annabelle were lucky that we kind of hit it off on a personal level from the very first moment we met in that audition. We kind of, uh, we just had a good spark, you know, and we, we, we've we remained, we are still friends, you know, we've, we're friends. So it was, um, yeah. it was, it was a really kind of, Amazing. Well, it would have been a pretty miserable job if we hadn't like got on. Do you know oh, what I mean? Can you imagine? <laughs> someone else to see yeah, I, have, I have to say. Yeah, no, totally. <laughs> if we hadn't got on, or if it had been someone else on either side, I think um, it would have not been a very fun no. thing. But no. uh, you know, from the all the guys at Hazelight were just so um, so welcoming and so sort yeah. of like passionate and creatively kind of engaged from from you know top to bottom that it was uh it was just a pleasure really mm, and hope really you know is. i think that i think that comes across in people's response to the game they kind of they have they've felt that that love that went into the game i think yeah uh, one of the things like i definitely want to ask you guys <laughs> since you know you brought up that you guys did a lot of improvising so your method of uh the way for your performances do you feel like you did method acting? Like you literally became the character? Because it definitely felt that. It felt like you guys were the characters. <laughs> I can't really say I was method acting. There's <laughs> probably, probably quite a bit of me, Annabelle, that came out. <laughs> uh, the critical maid, the nagging wife. Yeah, maybe that was a bit of me going out. I didn't find that challenging to play. But um, no, we, you know, we were in our I, mean, I don't think I'm playing you American anyway, weren't you? So I mean, yeah. Well, yeah. For, for me, it was. Uh, it was. Uh, I mean, I don't know about 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 method. I think that's a. Uh, that's probably. Um, you know, I. <clears throat> I think what I think what we both had was a very clear idea of who we were as characters, mm -hmm. and so. Stepping into those shoes felt very, very natural and very. Mm -hmm just very comfortable it was like putting on a pair of slippers i think we both knew those characters certainly mm -hmm. by the end of it you know in so well that you know you could you know you could be running on throw your suit on and then you were there doing it it didn't mm -hmm. it didn't require the uh the sort of um the method aspect because we kind of we inhabited we were we were them so the work as yeah. it were kind of felt like it was done and that was done together, I think, um, collaboratively with everyone, not just me and Annabelle. But um, I think, I think you know, I'm possibly not as much of a scaredy cat as Cody. <laughs> or, uh, uh, but um, you know, yeah, I think, I think with any performance that you that that rings true, whether it's this or or anything else, I think you always have to find something of yourself. Mm -hmm. And bring it. Yeah, and especially when you work for such a long time as well. Yeah. 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 Okay. So um, let's dive into like your background in in, in uh, acting in theater. Like, what what are your backgrounds? Like, walk us through that, if we have time. To sure, uh, I have all the time in the world, so it's up to you guys. <laughs> well, in my case, like, for Annabelle, similar to Annabelle, I I went to um, so I. I went to a drama school in London, as Annabelle did, to Lambda, and I, um, you know, upon graduating, it's predominantly, initially, I was doing a lot of theatre, um, touring, um, Shakespeare, whatever came along, really, 
Um, but I was doing much more theatre for the first, I don't know, five to ten years of my career, and I had a few dotted pieces of TV coming in there. Um, and I was just very lucky because I'm so I'm half Mexican and half American. My mom's from Boston, and I was born in Mexico, and I moved to London when I was about nine years old. And um, so I always, and I speak Spanish, so I always had this sort of voice career that was niche over here because I was foreign and of a Hispanic descent and American. So I could, I could do those, those voices or those roles um, at a, at a native level, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so um, that always gave me uh, an in in voiceover world, which is kind of as an actor, when we first trained, I don't know if you agree, Annabelle, you've had a much grander career, certainly in radio than I have, but it was always something actors wanted to get into was voiceover work because it was something yeah. that could, well, the way you used to look at it was it was something that you could supplement your acting, you know, and it was obviously better than going to work in a restaurant or whatever so yeah but, and it, but it was always slightly mystical and like you know impenetrable in a sense and I was just lucky that I got in kind of under the radar I guess of being you know this niche Mexican guy in London which at the time there wasn't a lot of that <laughs> uh so um so I ended up doing games that way like you know obviously game I started working at side quite quite a long time ago now um and side global are the the sort they're um a sort of casting and post-production house here in London and we did a lot of the post the ADR recording essentially at side um for this game as well and um and they have been very good to me and I, Annabelle's worked with them as well in the past and um so I I ended up working on a lot of computer games but kind of similarly to Annabelle I didn't and I didn't actually do mocap until really properly until this one but that was my my background I've done certainly a lot of radio and you know audio books and my voiceover career now is like one of my main it's one of the funnest things that I do you know I I it's it's so um it's so liberating because it's not about you know what you look like um or what people perceive you to be it's it's what you what you sound like and um you know in this game i was really fortunate that i was able to tap into my both of my heritages um in the game you know cody being american and um hakim although maybe people don't really know that he's supposed to be hispanic but he he is he i based him on a, he was like I mean, a sort of spanish word don't you there's another for me he was the love child of antonio banderas and um al pacino <laughs> 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 and, uh, he uh so yeah so i you know that was that was such a gift that this game gave me to be able to sort of to 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 play yeah. you know both both aspects of who who i you know who i am as well annabelle over to you <laughs> enough about me what do you think about me <laughs> <laughs> no it's funny because one of the things that pepe and i had in common as well is that i also speak spanish i yeah. i actually studied spanish at university before i went to drama school and i lived in i lived in south america lived in ecuador and I lived in Madrid and other parts of Spain um, before I went to drama school. So I've always had a mad passion for Spain. I'm actually married to a Spanish guy now. And, um, and actually one of my first TV jobs when I left drama school was playing Catherine of Aragon, Henry VIII's wife, in a, in a docudrama thing. So um, uh, we were able to use our Spanish like a secret language. We should have used it more Pepe, and stopped yeah. talking with everyone, dipping into Spanish. But no, so I did Spanish and drama at university, and then I lived in Spain for a couple of years, and I worked in a theatre company there. Mm -hmm. And I loved Spain, and I loved being in this theatre company, but I realised it was going to be pretty limiting, me staying in Spain. You know, they were never going to cast me as a British girl in anything. You know, I, people thought I looked more Spanish than English. Um, so I came back to England and did, um, I went to drama school. Because also I had no idea about 
developed in, in Britain. I didn't have any contacts. I didn't know casting directors or agents. And one of the reasons I wanted to go to drama school, even though I'd worked professionally in Spain, was, was to have exposure to agents, to casting directors. And um, and that's what drama school did for me as well as, you know, being a very fun time. Um, uh, and learning a lot, it gave, you know, you do a showcase when you leave drama school. And luckily I got theatre work from that straight away. So like Pepe, I worked in theatre predominantly um and then started getting bits of tv and i was also very lucky to get into there's a lot of radio drama in england bbc do a lot of radio drama pepe does loads um and i was um part of the bbc radio rep for a while which is when you get all sorts of different you know, dramas comedies you're doing different voices different accents all the time and i also got a part as um a regular character in a long-running soap opera i suppose it is it's a radio series called the archers which is on the bbc it's been going for like 70 years now. it's the longest running soap opera it's running like pre-pandemic on six nights like 12 minutes a day and um, it's set in rural england and i played a character in that for 21 years um so I still do that, and that's been a fantastic job because you can fit it in around other work. Um, so yes, and actually, one of the other great things to add to what Pepe was saying about doing really is that it's one of the jobs this lockdown. The industry just shut. TV shows stopping, actually, drama. So we've we've all got our own little studios at home now where we we record and um and that's been an absolute lifesaver, hasn't it? Yeah. It made you know you it allowed our career to keep going. And actually, we were lucky that we were still working on this game through yeah. lockdown because so many of my friends just didn't work at all. But what was lovely, I mean, it was it was a shame because we didn't get to go back to Stockholm again. I think we thought we might have one last trip filming well, we on it takes two, and that didn't happen. We were supposed I know, to have another one. But we managed to keep, yeah, we, but we did manage to keep, you know, doing the voice, the ADR, there was a lot of ADR to do after we'd done all the filming. Um, and we, we were able to keep doing that in a studio in London. But even that, we couldn't do it together, could we? Yeah, we used to go in together. And then I think lockdown three, we weren't allowed two actors in the same studio, so we had to do it separately. Yeah. But, it, yeah, so it was, it was that was the... the the sad thing about the game that it ended on my last sort of day working on the game was on my own, not with any of the guys in Sweden, not with Pepe. And that was, yeah, that was because of the, yeah. the pandemic. Yeah, that was, that was it. That was a real shame that we weren't, um, that we kind of weren't able to kind of all be together for the, for the conclusion of, of our, at least our involvement in it. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, that was a shame. Yeah, because I, I was definitely going to ask you, and I'm glad you guys brought that up because a lot of my friends are voice actors. They've said, like, having to shift from recording at a studio to having to get all the different equipment to, you know, record at your home, it's just way different. And um, I know one of my friends, uh, Gerald Rivers, he does the voice of M. Bison for Street Fighter. Like, he's, he was telling me the other day, he's like, I'm very fortunate that I already had a home studio because he does like voice work for commercials and various different things. So he's like, I already had that. He said, a lot of my friends, I had to be like, oh, okay, so you need to get this, you need to get that, yeah. you need to get this booth. <laughs> so yeah, um, my booth looks like a sort of child's fort. It's built entirely <laughs> of, of of duvets and mattresses and um old my kids' old playpen, which is foam, which is actually an amazing. Uh, yeah. sort of absorber <laughs> so that's what I mean I sort of attached it to uh, a wardrobe in my uh, in a spare room in our house and um, it yeah it very much looks like a 10 year old built it but still <laughs> yeah well I used to do my daughter's wardrobe literally in the wardrobe and then we moved house in lockdown too and uh, I was lucky because the BBC did send me a mic and a sort of big halo shield thing but I've got it in here behind me, but then I also have like a toddler mattress and I've got a duvet here. It's all in the corner of this little spare room. Um, and actually it's been fine. The only time it wasn't fine is when I um, I went to, uh, we spent the summer in Spain 
And I begged the BBC to let me record from Spain rather than having to fly back to record from my daughter's wardrobe in London. Um, and they said, yeah, that was not easy. I, I'd forgotten that in Spain, nobody has carpets. So it's all, you know, stone tile flooring. And I'd created a sort of, you know, I was in a sort of, you know, holiday apartment that we were renting on the coast. And there was an incredibly noisy Spanish family with about you know, seven children having a too long dinner and lunch, you know, uh, and that was not easy. And I'm, you know, I'm, you know, clunking footsteps and children crying. And I'm trying to go upstairs and knock and explain in Spanish that I'm recording a, a soap opera but on the radio for the BBC. I mean, these people have, you know, no idea. <laughs> anyway, that was that was quite intense. So, I mean, I'm looking forward to getting back into studios again. And, and a lot of studios are opened up now. So, but I think a lot of them will carry on doing it from home just because it's easy. If it's a quick job, they don't, they don't, you know, they're happy for you to do it from home still. Yeah, I, my, my first my first in the booth job after in lockdown. I like how you're like they're all like sequels to lockdowns, Annabelle. It's lockdown one. One. In, <laughs> in the original lockdown movie, um, back in March last year. Uh, uh, my first job was an audio book, and I remember I was so like happy that I just had something to do. But then I didn't. It was the most depressing book. It was about this dystopian future where like basically the human race became cannibals and all the animals in the world wow. died of this virus. And uh, <laughs> I was sitting there yeah. going, oh, this is not where I want to be doing right now. And as the world felt like it was, you know, crumbling around us all, there I was yeah. reading this this novel, which was all a very good novel and everything, but it it, it was really quite dark. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> there I was in this like yeah cupboard re for uh you know hours a day reading yeah. this very dark material feeling <laughs> with the added yeah. pressure of the fact that you've got two small children I mean oh, I was yeah. I mean I was homeschooling my two kids as well and that was a flipping nightmare just I had to put signs up everywhere just saying be quiet I'm recording for the BBC you know to keep the kids away because that was yeah. the worst thing. You, you couldn't just concentrate yeah. your performance. You were so tense that children were going to come running in or screaming or need help with their fractions or whatever. You know, uh, it was not. <laughs> it was not a relaxed situation. Thank God yeah. they're back in school now. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I concur. <laughs> <laughs> so, so are you guys? Is it still a lockdown? Or is it slowly opening up more over there? It opened up last last week. The shops opened again. Pubs are open for outdoor eating, the outdoor um, drinking only. But um, schools are open again now. So it is slowly opening up, isn't it? Yeah, the situation here is definitely, uh, it's it's improved significantly since January, certainly. And um, yeah, the, the, they have a, a sort of phased plan to reopen in stages. So the schools went back uh when were they they went back in march didn't they so, yeah and then um and then that then yeah as annabelle says the the restaurants and pubs and and shops opened up last week but only for outdoor drinking and dining but the shops yeah. you can you can go in but they have to limit the numbers and stuff like that but um but basically yeah it's it's on its way to hopefully some form of normality whatever that may be in the future isn't it strange like going out to like i guess you, let's use restaurants as an example um and just the idea of like being in such a proximity of other people it just feels like weird in a way it's relieving but weird at the same time i mean like, i haven't been to a restaurant yeah for over a year apart from actually weirdly when we went to sweden where it was like going back in time because in Sweden they basically haven't done anything. What? No, no one was wearing masks. No masks. Uh, nothing. They're like the Brazil of the Northern Hemisphere, except they haven't like had the terrible disaster that Brazil have had because yeah. they've sort of made suggestions of what people should do. And a lot of people paid attention, but basically nothing throughout this last year ever closed in Sweden. I know. Um, it just, and when we went on, uh, the last time we went to to the last recording we did on the game. October, wasn't it? 
yeah, it was like September, October time. And me and Annabelle had already had six months of, you know, pretty intense lockdown, like full lockdown. Yeah. And um, we were both really freaked out, like uh, how, you know, Relaxed. no wearing masks, the restaurants were open and we were both like, it feels so weird. Like we couldn't it quite really did feel like a parallel universe, yeah. get our heads around it, to be honest. It was kind of insane. Um, so, in a, yeah, I mean, I went to, so I had a voiceover last week in town. Uh, sorry, this, yeah, last week. And I started to freak out just walking down the street because it was, Oxford Street was packed like it used to be. And I was just walking down, kind of just seeing. <laughs> I almost felt like I could see coronavirus in the air. I was so like freaked like, out. I was like, why is everyone so close? I can't take this. And then I was just got myself together. And I was like, oh my God, how long is this going to last that I'm going to feel so like uncomfortable in large have groups you had your of vaccine people? Yet? I have had one shot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And even with that, though, I wasn't like, no, nah, it's cool. I was like, still freaking still out yeah. yeah it was odd like i think i'm i think going to to crowded places is going to take a while before that doesn't feel yeah. weird yeah <laughs> I, I i know for uh for for my wife and i so we live on oahu so we're in honolulu literally two minutes away from waikiki and so We've gone through seven lockdowns. Oh wow! <laughs> Out here in just just in Honolulu because the cases they'll spike and then the governor is like, okay, lockdown, okay, okay, you can reopen, lockdown. Like we're it's it's like music. And what's the situation at the moment? Right now, it's it's back. It's almost fully back open uh we just got tourists back in which was so weird um we usually go to waikiki just like a lot of people's like oh you live in hawaii you go to waikiki all the time no locals do not go to waikiki we only <laughs> go to waikiki if it's you know to take our tourist friends or whatever but we locals rarely go to waikiki so we usually go there just to get ramen because it's a really good ramen shop and so when we went there is lately been just a ghost town but then when we went there like a week ago all the tourists were there and we're like oh my god mm. it's it's yeah. it's like because waikiki is usually always bustling like it's yeah. always packed there's so many people there and then for about seven eight months it was just dead it's like a ghost town and now all those people are back and we're like okay yeah, ain't no nobody social distancing, and I'm like, yeah. okay, even though we got our shots, we're still kind of paranoid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah it's weird. I think it's going to take a while for that normality to to actually sink in. Yeah. To sort of, I think as well, just because, like you say, I mean, we haven't had quite as much flip flop, but we've had quite a fair bit of flip flop of opening and closing, and yeah. it seems like you know it's still it's still not a done deal. Like they've done a really good job here with the vaccination program. But it feels like even though we're, you know, we're coming up to nearly 70% of the population being vaccinated here, which is huge, but it just always feels like, yeah, but one of these mutants going to come and like render it all useless. <laughs> so it just feels like it's all very precarious until, until a bit more time passes with the um, situation remaining kind of under control, really. And it just feels weird. When do you... We got so used to not hugging people, not shaking hands with people. Oh, yeah. I just thought, when does that do happen? Like that. <laughs> do we still have to do that? I mean, it's so strange. I know, just that thing of not having any physical contact with anyone outside your bubble, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Definitely. Absolutely. So, so, um, what are some of your uh, your guys's hobbies? Like some of the things that uh, you like to do that people may not know that you really enjoy. Um. Well, God, I'm a bit of a koji. I'm a, I'm a gardening fanatic. Now, I just moved to a new house, and I um I get this addiction once a year where I cannot stop buying plants, and this my my addiction has crept up in the last few weeks. 
so I, I, at the moment, I cannot stop going to plant schools and garden centres. We've moved house and this new garden. I have this gorgeous mature garden in our last place. And I've moved into this one where there's, there's literally one rose shrub or something. And I'm going crazy. I, I actually, I can't spend the joint account money. I have to just spend my own money because I'm spending so much on plants now. Um, so I'm eating myself up this afternoon. It's like a little indulgence, and I'm so excited when I find a new plant store I didn't know about before. So no, I actually do turn into a bit of a gardening freak uh, between sort of March and October every year, and then you know. Don't, then you your knitting. Don't forget hey? your knitting. Your knitting. Oh, my knitting! Oh yes, I do. Well, that's another. <laughs> yeah, they're all seasonal sort of passions. Um, and then I do. I knit. And I've even sold some of my knitwear. I mean, we're not talking big things. We're talking little simple neck nuzzlers. Um, yeah, very nice. I'm still waiting yeah. for mine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 um, you'll have to wait till the winter. I don't knit in the summer. I don't do no. summer knitting. Um, no. And uh, I play tennis, actually. I'm, I'm so lazy with exercise. I hate going to the gym. I've never been a gym member. I do love tennis. And um, I've started playing again recently because that's one of the things that's We've been allowed to play tennis again now, so that's been great. So we I, I have play a well. Yeah, we should. We, we definitely need to play. Maybe we could I, play as Mady and Cody, May and Cody. Yeah, I, I sort of think I'd kick your ass as May playing Cody. <laughs> I can't imagine Cody's that good at the net. Classic. I good advice. I don't know. But, um, classic May. Classic May. No, we could. We, we definitely should play. But I, I bit bit scared you'd be super competitive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I might have to just like give you the odd point because I'm let you win in the end because I just um, wouldn't want it to be awkward between us, you know? Wow. Okay. We're, it's, it's on. It's on, May. Oh, it's on. <laughs> <laughs> the rematch of all rematches. Oh, yeah. Actually, uh, we do need to. We need there to be a sequel. I keep saying to my kids, "There's going to be. It takes two, two. There's going to be a sequel." Because your your kids, your kids really are into the game, aren't they? They finished it yesterday. Oh my god, they're bereft. <laughs> <laughs> I kept trying to eke it out. They were obsessed with it, and I couldn't get them off it. And we've just finished the Easter holidays, two and a half week break here. My kids have only gone back to school today, and I kept saying, "Well, you're not allowed to do any. It takes two today," because I know. I was like, oh my god, they're in the they're in the nightclub. And I was like, I think I don't know how much gameplay there is or how good you're gonna be at the next level, but I think there's only a few more scenes and they'd be playing it. And I couldn't I obviously I wasn't gonna sit and watch them play 30 hours. So I'd be doing other stuff. But whenever was a scene, they'd be, they'd be like, let me see, see, Because we'd obviously not seen any of the cutscenes. And sometimes I'd like I'd video them and send them to Pepe because yeah. his kids would be young to play it. Yeah. It's super cool. Those uh that and who by the way, I can't remember I didn't I don't think I've asked you, who do they play as? Yeah, Al, my daughter Alma played as me and Alberto played you. But um but they but he says now he wants to play with one of his mates, but be mates and so do it from the other. Yeah. I think basically from what I've heard and so do you think there's what, Well what became very evident anyway when we were filming it was clear that you were gonna get all the best mechanics. And Cody was going to get like all right ones, and as it went on, clearly May has much cooler stuff than Cody, which I think is absolutely oh, ridiculous, unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I didn't get, you know, that's what's been funny watching some of the game back when we were filming. We just had these sort of cardboard box guns we were just holding. It looked like a child would made it in a plane group or something there, yeah. there was there was one there was one weapon i can't remember which one it was that may that uh, annabelle had or that may had but they'd made this sword or this sort of piece of cardboard for the purposes of mocap because you've got to you know have something to hold so that when they do the an animation it looks like you're holding something and <laughs> this thing was like literally three times the size of annabelle <laughs> annabelle is a diminutive petite flower and um uh, and, and it's, <laughs> she literally was trying to like wield it and i swear to god it was twice her size it was the most <laughs> hilarious thing you've ever I seen. It a lot. it's in the game a lot 
She was like, how does this work? Was it go that way, this way? And it was it's really cool. Yeah. So. So, Joseph, what are, what are some of your uh, some of your hobbies? My hobbies. So, I have a two year old and a five year old. So, they are my, your hobbies. <laughs> my my windows of time for hobbies have extinguished into into a distant memory. Unfortunately, um, I used to back in the days when I had a life uh, enjoy. Um, I used to enjoy, I you know, lot, I did play a lot of uh, football and tennis. I was quite sporty as a as a youngster. Um, but um, to be honest, when I think about hobbies, I think the the thing that I got into most as an adult was golf. Weirdly, boringly, very really? boring. Yeah, I wow. I and so I go on. Me and my friends, or I have, we have some old friends, mm-hmm. and we go every year on a golf tournament, um, and we play for a cup um and we we go to a friend of mine has a a place down on the coast uh in the in the uk in the south coast and we go once a year unfortunately last year was the first time in 10 years we haven't done it um this year we're hoping to be able to do it again and we've set a date in hope that it's uh it's doable but um so golf is probably the most recent hobby that i that I that I've not been able to do, partly actually pre-pandemic, just because of the the children <laughs> finding a yeah. finding a whole day to take off to say to my uh, to my wife, uh, I'm out. <laughs> uh, it's harder now for that to go down well. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but uh, and you know you know I also going to the movies i haven't been to the cinema mm. for such a long time not even again like pre-pandemic just because of kids we just end up watching watching mm. stuff at home much more and so uh i would um i would i used to i lived in la for a while and we used to go to the movies at least once or twice a week when we lived there um and uh so yeah i mean stuff like that i um trying to think what else god i sound like a really boring it's all weird because as a teenager your hobby was drama that was your hobby yeah. being part of the youth theater doing plays doing youth theater then being you know drama clubs whatever and then we're very lucky because then our hobby becomes our career you know and then we're like oh actually i haven't got a hobby because our, our job <laughs> doesn't feel like a job it's not work you know when people you know it's it's that cliche of you don't it's not you don't want to not work you want to work the hard bit about being an actor is not working you know so it's yeah. like a career in that way so you we get a, to do our hobby you know i was having a conversation with one of the uh the dads at the uh at my son's school <clears throat> who has a what i call a proper job and um <laughs> he was just like talking about like I don't know how we got onto it. We got onto like retirement or whatever. And he was like, oh yeah, well, when I'm, you know, it's not that far now, only like 15, 20. I was like, you know, he was like, the concept of of retirement is just not one that I have because I just don't ever want to not be working. So I literally don't think I would ever want to retire. Um, And I think like Bell says, you know, it's sort of, it's true. Maybe that is why I don't feel like I have any hobbies because yeah, you know, growing up, you either you're into sport or computer games or you're whatever you get into, you tend to not, or often anyway, um, that doesn't become your career. And so, so I guess, yeah, my hobby. Yeah. I, I, I think that's, I hadn't thought about it like that though, Annabelle, but that's true. It's sort yeah, of, if you, were, you know, if you, were, if, if you asked the 15 year old, you watch your hobby, you probably would have said acting theater, yeah. you know, drama. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No. Well, that's, that's, that's really, that's, and it's funny because I was actually having that conversation um, recently with my, my mother. Cause she was saying to me, she's like, she said, would you have imagined 20 years ago that what you're doing now, your hobby would become your career? And I'm like, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I literally um, like, I, I'm not originally from America. I'm actually from uh, Samoa and, 
I'm so I'm Samoan, Dominican, Hawaiian, and oh wow, I, <laughs> that's and, a good mix. Yeah, and so like I, I grew up in Samoa. Uh, I want to say up until I was like seven years old, didn't speak a lick of English at all, and then we moved to Memphis, Tennessee, where my dad is originally from because he's military, and so I uh, learned English. So I learned Southern dialect English, and then when I, you know. I didn't care much for reading or, you know, speaking a lot of English until like video games and comics and novels and, and, you know, Dungeons and Dragons and stuff like that, which mm-hmm. got me out of my shell. And so, you know, when I started moving around a place, you know, military brat, moving around and then eventually landing in Hawaii, one of the things that really got me through is just like writing poetry, mm-hmm. you know, uh, tinkering with computers video games uh art and you know i was always told like that'll never be a career get get a real job and so i went into school for marketing and then we had the whole economic crash was it 2008 2007 2008 so Mm -hmm. i was like okay i have a marketing degree i can't do anything with that then we had social media i was like all right what am i going to do now so then i became I, i went into it and I've done IT for over, what, 20, not, not 20, I'm not that old, <laughs> 20, 12, 12, 12, 13 years I've done IT. And so up until, I said two years ago, I got to a point where I was like, okay, so this company is going to start outsourcing. So either I leave now and get a head start and do something else, or I stay and then I get let go. So I ended up just taking a chance, and my wife's like, just go for it. You know, you got the podcast, you've been doing well with that, you've been doing YouTube, you've been doing, you know, you have an extensive relationship with all these game and tech companies, do something with that, you know, try yeah. it out for a year. So I literally mm-hmm. tried it for a year, and I was like, I don't think I can go back. And then especially since we just had our daughter, I'm like, I, the time I get with her, like just seeing her grow from, um, you know, from when she's born to a month, I'm like, oh, you're such a chunky baby now. You eat so much. <laughs> it's, 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 like I feel like if I was working my IT job where I was doing 15 hours a day, set six yeah. or seven days a week. Yeah, you miss out on so much. Yeah, so it's. Um, I think that is a, definitely a blessing of, of working in this kind of a way is that um yeah. you know you do get to be. You know, sometimes you have to go like for us, sometimes we have to go away for periods of chunks of time. But generally speaking, I'm around a lot more than most of most of my son's dads are. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that I'm always I always feel very, uh, very lucky that that's the case Um, for for me. Yeah, my husband's a teacher and he leaves the house super early, gets back really late. I mean, he has massive holidays, which is great. But yeah, compared to what Pepe has and being part of their sort of Monday to Friday routine, you you see your kids a lot, a lot more. Yeah, yeah, I'm a full time employee. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, one of my final questions for you, folks. You know, I, I want to be very respectful of your time, and I appreciate you taking the time to, you know, come on the show today. But one of my last questions is. Is there any advice you would give to, you know, any of the listeners or viewers uh, when this goes up that would like to get into either theater or voiceover or acting? Like, what advice would you give? (laughs) Don't do it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, Have lots of hobbies to keep you busy in the dry times. That no, I think. Um, well, I mean, keep busy, keep busy doing lots of other stuff, keep busy trying to create your own stuff. You know, so many actors, even getting together with mates, you know, writing. Not that I do that, but you know, a lot of people do create their own work, um, just because it keeps the juices flowing and makes you feel busy when you're not. Um, I mean, in terms of making divorce, you need to get a reel done, and it's worth spending the money on getting a reel done. And, showing your versatility, showing your range. Um, but it's, I don't know, there's no hard and fast rule. I, th- I think someone once told me as well, just don't ever compare yourself to anyone else's career. Because that's just like career suicide, isn't it? You know, you've got to just follow your 
own path and just, I, I, I don't know, and just enjoy each job and make the most of working with whoever you work with and just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a, as I said before, the hard bit is not the actual working. It's, it's keeping sane when you're not getting the opportunities, I think. That's the hardest bit. When you're working, it's, it's easy, you know. But it's, it's about... Um... Go on. Go on, Pepe. Go on. No, no, you go. Go, go. Sorry. No, no. I don't... I mean, to get into it, I think you just... You have to work. You have to be resilient. You have to not take rejection personally because there's just so many... It's a saturated business. There's so many people. Mm. I mean, I've got actor friends my age who are still trying to get a voiceover agent. And I think you just have to keep trying because it just might land on someone's desk at the right time. Uh, it's a lot about contacts as well. And it's just resilience and keep, keeping at it if you want to do it, you know, not giving up. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think when I, I mean, I know I was joking and say don't do it. But I, my, I would say if there is anything else you like, do that because it will be easier. I, I do think that unless you have to do this it's such a torturous experience or it can be that you need to you need to really not be able to do anything else as in not feel not, and not that, even, sounds, um, that sounds like harsh and i don't mean it to sound like unhopeful but you know there are <clears throat> even when you're the thing is even when you're working then then everything everything changes and everything becomes contextual so there, there always feels like something might be out of reach, as it were. So I think you need to be able to have the sen a sense of self-worth and self-confidence to be able to badger through an awful lot of crap from a lot, a lot of people who think they know what they're talking about and they don't. So when I say don't do it unless you unless you literally can't do anything else, it's only when you have that inner sort of drive that you will be able to sustain a career of many many years because you know when i i went to one of the you know amongst one of the best drama schools in the country and of my year i remember my first day there the principal said to us we were i think we were 26 in the class he said most of you in this room and we all thought we were going to be the next whatever you know brad pitt etc meryl streep's Alpacinos, whatever you want to, it was, you know, and he said, most of you in this room won't be doing this for a living. And this was day one. Oh my word. And yeah. at, 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 the, at the time I was like, damn, that's harsh. Obviously I was thinking it's not going to be me. And, uh, but, you know, there's been moments and my, you know, at my, my theater class, my class, I would say maybe 20% of us, maybe, are still doing it yeah and that it's just because you know life life comes along relationships children and sometimes you just start to work out that actually i don't love it that much and so i guess you just have to really love it and really need to do it and then if you do then then you just arm yourself with as much self love and belief as you can possibly muster because the one thing i think you need to not you, you need to not, weirdly, you need to not crave affirmation. And, yeah. and I think that if you can, if you can know that what you're doing is good and you believe in that, then that has to be enough. You can't need someone else to tell you you're good enough. Yeah. Because if you do, you may not receive that and, and you may, and you may not carry on. So I think you need to, you just need to be a very strong type of character, I think, to really prevail in a in a long in a long form career of, of this in this business because there's a lot of there's a lot of you know people who who are making decisions who maybe shouldn't be making decisions and there's a lot of great people making good decisions now too but you know i think it's not a, it's not a meritocracy it's not you know i know lots of great actors who aren't working yeah i know lots of great actors who aren't actors anymore um and i know lots of really really ordinary actors who are doing really well yeah yeah <laughs> and so uh it's not it's not about it's not always about unfortunately 
it's not always merit. It's sometimes, like Annabelle says, it's being in the right place at the right time and then riding that wave. And, and by saying, I'm not taking anything away from anyone who's successful because I think that in itself is to be admired. Because if you're able to sustain a career, regardless of your skill sets, that in itself is a skill set. That, <laughs> that, that is admirable. So, um, but it's just, I think, having having a really strong sense of who you are and what you do and knowing that that's original and that that's good enough. Yeah. And making your life interesting around it as well. Yeah, so yeah. Your happiness is not defined just by the last yes. job you did. Because there's no lot, you know, in most jobs you get a, you know, promotion, a pay rise, whatever. You know, unless you're a big Hollywood film star, that doesn't happen. You know, if you're a Joe Bloggs jobbing actor, it's ups and downs the whole way. Doesn't matter how long you've been in it, you know. Yeah. So you have to, you know, yeah. But sometimes, sometimes something like it takes two comes along, and it's like, it's joy from beginning to end. And it yeah, is and like there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it when it just sort of, when it gels and when it clicks. And that's why you. That's the nub, and that's the the genesis of what. You know, we're all addicts yeah. basically, and that's what we're addicted to yeah that feeling of creating yeah. something that was like that was good and true and whatever that's what it's all about yeah is there anything you folks want to leave the audience with before we go no just thank you for playing all of you played it next year and keep having loads of fun with it yeah absolutely like i thank you so much for uh for being so supportive of the game and just like i think uh the only thing i have to say is hashtag team cody boom uh hashtag team a <laughs> oh well it's been an absolute uh it's been an absolute honor having you both on here and you know, I'd love to have you both on again. You know, an hour is not enough, in my opinion. <laughs> I feel like there's so much more we could talk about, but being completely respectful of your time, thank you so much, Annabelle and Joseph, for coming on the show. And um, tell people where they can find you. Plug your, your work, social media outlets, and I'll also be leaving that in the description of the podcast below. Thank you so much. Nice to chat to you. Thanks, Mikael. That was great. That was great. Lovely talking to you. I wish I was in Hawaii right now, I have to say. So do I, yeah. <laughs> well, we only have three temperatures here. I like to tell people it's hot, hot, and hotter. And then <laughs> in all three temperatures, it's always raining. And it's so weird because in it, well, this happens in Samoa and Tonga too, but it'll rain and you'll look up. There's no overcast. There's no clouds. It's clear, sunny skies, and it's pouring. And you're looking <laughs> up like really <laughs> <laughs> so it's 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 weird especially lately we've had such weird weather like in within the span of an hour it'll be windy and cold and then within 10 minutes it's pouring rain like you it'll just whoosh, you'll hear the rain coming down and then it'll stop it'll be hot and then you'll hear the birds and it's windy all over again i'm like make up your mind whether <laughs> go to the beach or no like i'd like to surf today anyway, anyway. <laughs> well i hope i get the opportunity to come out there one day definitely definitely and we'll go golfing because i also play golf as well so. <laughs> nice. that's a date baby that's a date so, yeah. um so with this uh, episode wrapping up you'll be able to for those who are listening you'll be able to find this episode of the Casanova podcast on all major podcasting outlets from amazon music pandora spotify iHeartRadio, uh apple music google podcast apple podcast and uh coming soon to podcast one and uh with that being said annabelle joseph thank you so much for coming on the show and uh, people, make sure you go and follow them on social media, whichever team, team hashtag Cody or team hashtag May, whichever you want. Let us know in the description and uh, with the feedback. And with that being said, we're signing out. You all have a blessed one. You too, Mikel. Bye-bye. Thank, Thank you. you.
Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. I hope it was informative, engaging, and you enjoyed it. And if you did, make sure you go ahead and leave a rating and a review. It greatly helps out the podcast and helps the platforms that we're on. Go ahead and promote us more so that more people can check it out. And if you're wondering what all platforms we're on, aside from what you've listened to it on, we're available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Pandora, Spotify, Amazon Music, and more. And if you want to support the podcast, then we've got Patreon, so patreon.com slash Mikhail Casanova, which allows us to continue doing what we're doing. If you're looking for this in video format, we're also available on twitch.tv slash Mikhail Casanova, as well as youtube.com slash Mikhail Casanova. So with all that being said, I'll catch you on the next episode of Hawaii's number one podcast and the number one podcast in the Pacific, the Casanova Podcast. You have a great day, and I'll see you on the next one.